Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Awesome. Thank you, Laura Crook. Good morning. You guys should get used to that. Every morning we're here, I'm going to say good morning. The, the appropriate response is to wish someone a good morning back. So thank you all for being here. As Jacob mentioned, we've been in a series uh, that we've simply called Witness, and it's been a word study and looking at the word witness and what it means to be a witness biblically. And we, we've talked the first few weeks about what that looks like and some of our baggage uh, and from childhood or whatever and our misconceptions about that. But that's been our focus. And so over the course of the next three weeks, as we finish out this series on being a witness, what we've asked is we've asked several people in our church to come and as we start on those mornings to give a testimony and to bear witness to something. So we've left it pretty open-ended. And so uh, I asked Stephen Godfrey, many of you know Stephen, uh, to just share a little bit about uh, what, what God has put on his heart and to really, in the spirit of being a witness, to testify this morning about what the Lord does in and through him. So, Stephen. Good morning. So, as Jake was saying that, when he came to me and we talked about, at the beginning of this week, about being a witness, one of the things that was impressed on me was, you know, when I stand here Sundays and proclaim Jesus is Lord of my life, that's what I want to live out through the week. I don't want to proclaim something and then be, you know, something else the rest of the week, which to say is I'm not perfect. I am, I think, as far as you can get from being perfect. And I make mistakes. I have failures and, you know, go through hard times and slumps and just things when I'm like, man, God, I just I want to come out of this. But that's just something that really hit me. And uh, what I wanted to share a few with, uh, things with you is I work at the, um, a lot of you know, I work at the post office. And I've been on the uh, same route for like 20 years. Um, and one thing that is important to me is, is relationships. Like over the last 20 years, I've built uh, so many relationships with people. Um, I mean, I have, you know, after we talked, I have like all these stories just started coming back to me of people that I've met and people I've crossed paths with and just, man, just so good stories. And... I'm not, um, my wife, I'm, I'm not, I guess you would say you're like your typical mailman, like I think half of my route has my cell phone number. They call me if they need anything. Um, I mean, sometimes I'll be, you know, fixing ready to go to bed and my phone will, it's like 10 o'clock and it'll be, I'm like, really? You know, 10, I'm like, all right, okay, well, I'll answer them tomorrow. So just that relationship over the years that I've built with people. I mean, I'll see people, uh, they'll be walking through the neighborhood and I'll just stop and just ask them, hey, how are you? And we'll, we'll talk for a minute. But there was two stories um, in particular that uh, came to my mind when um, I started to think about being a witness and what that meant to me. And one of them was um, one of my uh, customers, she had come up one day and I delivered to these uh, cluster boxes. It's not boxes in front of your house. It's boxes you go to in the neighborhood where a community and you get your mail. And she came up and I was doing my thing. And, and a lot of times, you know, I just want to get done and get to the next thing and get home and, you know, go run or go do kind of the things I want to do. 
And so I saw her come up, and she looked pretty distraught. And, and I said, I don't really want to use her name. I'll just call her Miss Johnson. I said, Miss Johnson, how are you doing today? Are you doing okay? And I typically ask everybody that. And she said, she just kind of sit there. Sorry. And uh, she said, I lost my husband yesterday. <laughs> Sorry, I knew I was going to tell the story, and I knew I was going to. And I said, and I really, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to tell her. You know, and sometimes God reminded me at that moment, sometimes being the best witness is just truly listening to someone, not saying anything. It's just being present in that moment. And... I mean, I just, I didn't say anything at that time, and I just felt like, man, God wants me to be silent. And so I just stood there, and she just started to tell me everything that happened, and it was something that happened. It it was quick. It was over. He got sick, and in a couple days, he was gone. And so she didn't know, but I knew him really well. He was the one that always came and got the mail. We had always, you know, he played golf. I'd always joked with him, you know, and, and stuff, and we exchanged all these stories that he had told me. And so I, did not, I didn't know her that well. So as she began to tell me, these, tell me what happened, I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. All I could do was put my arm around her and listen. And I can't remember if it was that time or the next time, but I just, I remember said, hey, can I, can I just pray for you? she was just kind of like, well, yeah, that'd be, uh, sure. And I remember it was, it was a short prayer, and I prayed for her, and, and it, was, it was great because nobody came up during that time. Usually there's people coming up all the time, and there was, there was not a car that came up. Nobody came up and interrupted us, and, and she had gone. And so this actually happened a couple of years ago. And so as I saw her a few times after that, she... Um, I was able to then, I was remember praying, like when I saw her come up, I was like, man, I just, I just want to encourage her the best I can. I can't really identify, I haven't, you know, with what she's going through, but just, just let me encourage her the best way I know how. And so as she came up and as a little bit of time went by, I was able to share with her the stories that her husband and I had talked about over the years. And she just really loved it. I mean, she was like, you don't know what that means to me. I, I appreciate that so much. And that you just, the way you listen to us and the way you take time to talk to us. And, um, and another example was um, there's a, um, a Jewish man that lives on my route. And this is over the, the course of uh, the 15 years that I delivered. And he, he was one of those guys that I just developed this relationship with also. I would come up there, and sometimes I'd see him standing out by the box, and I'm just kind of thinking, oh, I just kind of want to go today. I don't want to talk. But anyways, we'd just end up talking. It would be great. It would be great. And I would just, he would feed into me. I'd feed into him. But through our conversations, I, you know, come to find out, you know, I just, I don't think he was a believer. I don't think he, you know, knew Jesus the way I did. And I wanted to somehow share that with him. I wanted to somehow, but I get really I don't want to say the wrong thing, or, you know, sometimes when I witness, I want to be like, God, I don't want to mess this up. I want it to be perfect. I want it to be right. I want to say the right words, and God's like, don't worry. I got that part. You just be you. You be you, and, and say what you do, and I'll give you the words to say at that time, 
And so that, you know, um, so over the, over the years, we had these conversations back and forth, you know, long story short, he uh, recently moved this last December off my route, which is really sad. I wouldn't be able to see him. And he, we still, we still text back and forth. He has my phone number. He'll text me and say, Hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing good. Um, can you meet me for lunch on this day? And I said, uh, yeah, I'll meet you for lunch. And he has a son that's in uh, college. And so we always ask him how his son's doing. Well, this last time in particular, we were sitting down eating and he's, he, I said, how is uh, Zach doing? He said, well, he's doing good. And he goes, we talked about him for a minute and he said the, the strangest, you know, he, he said, he, when I was talking to him on the phone, he said, Dad, he goes, I just want you to know that I'm praying for y'all. And he goes, I thought that was really strange that he'd be praying. Why is he praying for me? And so at that moment, you know, I, I feel like I was like a little bit of a deer in the headlights. My eyes got big, and I was like, okay, this is your chance. You know, don't mess this up. I mean, I just, but I don't, I didn't want to pounce on it. I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I mean, you need to get saved. I mean, what he's trying to do, you know. And so I was just like, it was one of those times where I just, I let him finish, and it completely opened up a gate that I felt wasn't open yet, and I was able to share more of my faith and how I believe and um, where his son is coming from and the reason why he's praying for him and, and, and the power of prayer and what, what that meant for um, him and his wife. And so, um, yeah, I mean, and the last thing I'll say is um, there's one other thing that stands out is there's a gentleman that would always walk through the neighborhood all the time. I never saw him with anybody else. And he, uh, whenever he saw me, it's like he would just come straight for me and he would uh, just want to talk. And I know he lived with his mom. Um, he, uh, he's probably, I don't, maybe in his, in his late 50s. I don't think he ever got married or has any kids. And I remember one, um, he would just come by and we would just converse as, as normal as I would anybody else. And then I mean, selfishly, sometimes I would see him coming and I would hurry and try to get out of there before he got there because he would just, he would just talk and talk. And, and I, I love to talk, but some days I just, I just want to go. And I mean, there's some days I was actually, he, when I thought he was done, I was actually rolling in my car and he's walking beside me. And I was, so I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So I would get away. But then one, one day in particular, he, he said, hey, he goes, and we would talk about, he would talk about stuff that's going on in his job, and I would try to tell him the best, you know, how to, how to handle that situation, how to deal. He said he didn't deal well with people at all. But he told me, he said, I really appreciate you because you stop and talk to me, and nobody likes to talk to me. And, oh, it just hit me really hard thinking, yeah, man, I mean, why don't, you know, don't be selfish. Don't be in such a hurry. And I felt like God, over the last few years, has told me really just to slow down. Just slow down. You're not in a hurry to get anywhere, you know. I mean, and I, one of the things I deal with is I get restless. I get really restless. I get um, just doing the same thing over again. It's just really, you know, just the repetitiveness of it and just doing the same thing. And I felt like God was telling me, you know, you're not, you're not just out there delivering mail. That's not what you're doing. You know, that's, that's, you know, you are doing that, but I have a lot more in store for you out there than what you think. So that's what, you know. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. Before you go, Stephen, I'm going to pray for you real quick, buddy. So I'll just ask you real quick, raise your hand if you have your mailman's number. Exactly. <laughs> 
And we laugh about that, but, but to think that someone that's in your life, like the person that delivers your mail, is, sees you going through something like losing a spouse and is brokenhearted over that, like, like visibly and physically, and they, 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 they are sorrowful for you. People that will take moments that know your kids' names that will go to lunch with you. And so when we talk about being a witness, Stephen, I just want to say, like, when I think about what it means to truly be a witness for Christ, I think about you. Like, you're my perpetual example, and I admire that about you. Is that every day, it's, Scripture talks about us laying down our life and taking our cross daily. And every day, you get up at whatever crack of dawn you get up to, and you lay your life down, and you take up your cross, and you walk that route, and you're a witness for Christ. So I'm going to pray for you, and thank you for sharing. Jesus, I thank you so much for Stephen Godfrey. I thank you for the people that you've brought into his lives. I thank you that he shines as a witness to you. Um, Lord, uh, that he genuinely loves people without agenda, without qualification, that he cares about the people around him. God, I thank you and pray for more opportunities for him, Lord, as he's out on his route uh, to be able to love and to be a a light for you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Yep. Thank you, Stephen. Can we thank Stephen? Yeah. That's awesome, and I think uh, we should now, like, as he's saying that, and we've been going through this witness series, and we have this message prepared, I'm like, we should just not do this. Like, we should just, we should make a line of people and just hand their microphone off to different people and what the Lord is doing, and so I just love that, but nevertheless, we will still teach. So, um, if I don't have the chance to know you, my name is Jake Toman, and I get to serve as a pastor of this incredible church. And this is my beautiful bride, Shay Shay. Good morning. That's where you say good morning back. Thank <laughs> you, Gary. There we go. And so um, as y'all, if you've been here, you know that this series that we're going through on being a witness has been a collaborative series that um, we didn't, rather than just one person sitting down, planning through uh, talks and messages, that we've built a team that's teaching together. Not only are we teaching together on different Sundays, but it's a team that are collaborating throughout the week. And so one of the ways that we are doing this is that Shay is serving on that team, uh, along with Joe and along with Reed, who taught last Sunday. Um, and so we're teaching together this Sunday. Team Toman. That's right, Team Toman. It's funny, uh, we, Gary, our worship leader, uh, we, I meet with him occasionally, and he talks, and then Shay and I will both meet with Gary, and Gary's like, now I have the complete, like, Team Toman. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm getting half the truth, or not truth, but I'm getting half the understanding, half the time. But then when we're together, he's like, all right, it all just, makes sense. Just like now, you know, Jake tends to use all the words, and yeah. he used to, sometimes he just circles around, and so I come in and just give the main idea, you know? Just, here, here's the answer, here's what we're going for. I think that you wanted this, I think this is what you were asking, so... Anyway, this morning is going to be fun because Jake and I are just going to converse with each other about this topic of, of Jesus. And uh, as we're going through this witness word study, um, we've, we've kind of seen glimpses of this word and what it means. And today we're going to focus on what that means as Jesus, as this chief witness. Yeah, if you remember the word witness in Scripture in the Greek is martus, M-A-R. T-Y-S that really reads like Marty's, but the word is Martus in the Greek. And um, in, its, in its definition, it means just to, to represent and to say the truth about what you've seen. And so we talked the first week about a little bit about how we overcomplicate that as Christians. So if you've ever been, in, if you grew up in church 
or youth group or something like that, that maybe you went and handed out tracts or you went door to door or that sort of thing, and, or that you, had, you knew the Roman road. And I love what Stephen said about he, he had that moment where he felt like, this is your chance don't mess this up. Like the God's like standing behind him, whispering in his ear, don't mess this up. I've given you this chance. And we, we get that feeling. Like, have we, have you felt like that before where you've had an opportunity to share and to bear witness to Christ? And then just the idea is that you can't mess it up. It's just telling the truth about what you've seen. And then last week, Reed talked about witness being the, this this theme and this thread that goes throughout Scripture. I mean, it starts in, the first time it's mentioned is in Genesis, and the last time it's mentioned is in Revelation. And he kind of painted this timeline, so to speak, of how, how this idea of bearing witness, it started with Moses, and it goes all the way down the line, all the way to Jesus Christ, which is where we are today. Yeah, and so today we're going to be focusing on how um, this has kind of transcended. Um, God revealed himself in the Old Testament many, many times to different characters, and um, he called on them to share that, right? So they witnessed something, and then they were meant to bear witness to that, to testify and to share that experience with others. Uh, but it never stuck. Everyone seemed to stumble, to doubt, to turn back to their old ways. And so it wasn't until Jesus came down as this chief witness from God, because he was with God, he knew God, God sent him down. So he was this chief witness to testify to God, to, um, to share with others who God is. And so that's really what we're going to be looking at today. And I think it's important as we continue on to just kind of remember these words, witness, and this term, bear witness, and remember what that means. When we talk about witnessing, we talk about seeing or experiencing God, okay? And then to bear witness to that means that you are sharing that experience. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be your experience. That could be somebody else's story. That could be something that you've just seen. There was a really profound story that I saw on TV about a doctor who miraculously healed this little girl. His name was Jesus. That was so profound to me. I mean, I just thought God does miracles in men, and this is so awesome. His name was Jesus. Anyway, it doesn't have to be your own tale, but it's witnessing something, experiencing, hearing it, seeing it, and then sharing it with others. Yeah, so uh, we're going to jump in, but before we do that, I'm going to pray, and we can open God's Word. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for Shay Shay, my beautiful and wonderful bride and partner and best friend. I thank you that you've called us together, and you've called us together for your purpose and your kingdom. I thank you for your Word. I thank you that you call us to be witnesses. Jesus, Acts 1-8, you call us to bear witness to you. Jesus, to the ends of the earth. And I thank you for that. I pray this morning as we read uh, out of John, Lord, that you speak to our hearts, uh, that we hear what the truth is about who you were. Um, and I pray these things in your name. Amen. So we're going to be in John chapter 8. If you would, uh, on your phone or the Bible that you have, I'd love for you to read along with us. And John chapter 8 is a big, it's a big portion of scripture. And it's a really this kind of pivotal moment in the book of John. And if you were here this fall, we talked through for either 10 or 12 weeks on the book of John. And Joe, uh, he actually taught out of John at the back half of John. It was so good. 
Yeah, it was so good. So if you want to, like, it's going to feel, we're going to teach the little portion before that, kind of where this confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees starts. And so if you want to know more about John chapter 8, I recommend if you go to our, um, if you go to anywhere that you get a podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify, you can look back and we have all those messages there. And this fall, fall you'll see that, that Joe taught on this interaction, this come and see series where Jesus talked with these Pharisees. It has a scripture there. And so we're going to be talking about how this kind of interaction started. And, and John chapter 8 is, like I said, this big pivotal moment in the book of John. And Shay, you were talking about this week. It was funny, was we started preparing John chapter 8. The first part of John is the woman that's been caught in adultery. And Shay was like, oh, I taught that this week. Yeah, my daughter, my oldest, she is in fourth grade and she participates in this little tween time group. And it's really sweet. They get together twice a month and have a Bible study. And they'll do it again next year, and it kind of prepares them for youth group. And so um, this semester, I've gotten the privilege to be able to help lead and teach. And they asked me to teach this past week, and it was on gentleness, the spiritual gift gentleness, which, side note, is the one I struggle with the most. (laughs) Awesome. So uh, anyway, along with this theme of gentleness, we looked at the story of the adulterous woman, which happens right before the passage you were going to be reading this morning, because Jesus is in the temple, and he's being tested by these Pharisees, and so they bring this woman, and they want to stone her. I just want you to understand when fourth graders hear the word stoning, they're very curious. So there was immediate questions, and there was immediate panic. What do I say? They were completely horrified that I was sharing with them the meaning. But it was a great example of what is not gentle and how Jesus responds gently. But all that to say, this story takes place in the temple, which is where Jesus still is in this passage that we're going to be looking at today. And I'm going to read it out loud, so if you want to follow along with me. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge me by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. So the, this scene uh, in Scripture is like this, it's like this really pivotal moment. And so when we talk about this idea of Jesus being this chief witness, um, and one of the examples we use is like if you go to court and you were to witness, if you witness an accident or witness a crime, and you've got to go and you've got to testify in court, what are you doing? You're telling the truth about what you've seen. 
and what you know. And that's all you're doing. And, you're, and, and being a witness and bearing witness holds a lot of weight in a courtroom setting. And so this scene is a little bit like this, and that you can see it like this courtroom setting, is that Jesus enters, and it's like a scene out of a movie, if you've ever watched a, like a courtroom movie. What's the one with? A Few Good Men. Yeah, A Few Good Men with Jack. You can't handle yeah. the truth. Right, right. That moment where they bring this one person, and that's who Jesus is. He takes a stand, and he testifies, and it swings the trial. And that's kind of this moment here. And you see here in the Scripture, that over eight times the word martus is used. Eight times in just these few verses. He talks about being a witness, bearing witness, two witnesses, testifying about who he is. And so it's important to know what we're going to focus on this morning is the things that Jesus says about himself. So there, there's several things here that Jesus testifies or witnesses about who he is. And the first is this. The first thing that he testifies to is that he is the great I am. Jesus testifies that he's the great I am. In verse 12, it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Now, you may read that, and it's easy to read right over, uh, right over top of that without thinking twice about it. But what Jesus is saying here is deeply significant to these Pharisees, is that not only is he saying, I am the light of the world, he is claiming to be the great I am. If you read further along in, in verse 58, he doesn't mince words as much. He says, verily, verily, I say to you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And this is really significant. This is really significant. If you go and listen to Joe's message, he talks about the depth and significance of that statement, is who Jesus is claiming to be. This I am statement is first seen in Exodus, where God comes in the form of a burning bush. And I learned a really interesting word this week called theophany. I'm probably not saying it correctly, but it means when God comes down in the physical form. And so we see this in Exodus when God becomes this burning bush and he approaches Moses and he is, he is, he's giving Moses this experience so that he can then go and share it with others. But he says, I am. He calls himself, I am. Now, I don't know about you, but this term, I am, has just always, it's always baffled me. I, I understand Jesus. I understand the Holy Spirit. But God is really puzzling to me because I want to know where he came from. And this is what we get right here. I am. I am. My Bible says, I am the one who always is. So he's saying, look, there's no beginning, there's no end. I am. And he, he, he makes this statement when, when Moses asks him, he says, who are you? He says, tell them that I, that I am sent you. And he said, just tell them I am has sent me to you. And so when Jesus makes this statement, when Jesus says to them and testifies that, that I am, what he is claiming to them is he's claiming to be God. And we read over that statement really quickly, but we don't realize that how significant to what he's testifying to. Yeah, he is saying bold. he's the great I am. And Shay, you were telling me uh, that you read about 
this area of the temple that Jesus is standing. So in this moment where he's talking to the Pharisees, it's just after this woman who was going to be stoned. Jesus says, I don't condemn, they don't condemn you, nor do I. Now walk away and live and sin no more. Is at this moment, he's standing in a particular place in the temple. And so you were talking he's, about that. He's standing in the temple and this temple is lit by pillars of fire. So think. To, like candlesticks. Yeah. In my mind, they're tiki torches. (laughs) But think of these pillars of fire that are lit, and this is what's kind of cornering this room of the temple where they're standing. And everything in the temple was so symbolic. I mean, there are books dedicated to just showing you why things were put in the temple in certain places and who was specifically chosen to take care of them. Everything had meaning. These pillars of fire had meaning. They go back to the time in Exodus, just a little bit further in the story, where God sent pillars of clouds and pillars of fire to lead these Israelites so that they could travel in day or night. Having these pillars of fire in the temple was supposed to remind people of God's provision, His promise, His protection. So these, this fire and even the place where they're standing and having this conversation is super symbolic and super special and giving back to this claim that he is, he's pronouncing, I am. I am God. I am. And this is proof of it. All around me is proof. Yeah, and, and so that's like you can understand, and especially if you listen to Joe's message, this angers the Pharisees because here's Jesus who's causing all these problems, and the Pharisees are frustrated and angry with them. And so this is this confrontational moment where they bring this woman out in adultery. All right, all right, what do you do? This woman's in cult and adultery. The word, the law says that we are to stone her to death. And Jesus gets down the sand, he draws in the sand, and he says, he who is not sin can cast the first stone. And slowly they go away. And so this is anger the Pharisees. They're trying to trap him. So they bring him into the temple, and they're questioning him. And he makes this claim to be the great I am. And think about it. It's like out of a movie. He's standing in this spot that represents the great I am. This spot that he's standing is, is a spot of remembrance for God's presence, the theophany, God's presence, manifest presence, this pillar of fire that led the Israelites into freedom, that, that saved God's people uh, from the Egyptians. And so Jesus is making this great claim. And this idea and this image of fire is really significant throughout Scripture. Uh, from the burning bush, it is this fire that the, the bush is on fire but not consumed. This pillar of fire that's leading them by night. It's this, it's this theophany, this manifest presence of God. If you, if you remember um, in, when John the Baptist came before Jesus, he said, he said, I am the one that baptizes by water, but the one who comes after me baptizes by what? Fire. On the day of Pentecost, when the, when the disciples received the Holy Spirit uh, on them for the first time, it says that the Holy Spirit fell on them like tongues of fire. So Jesus is making a big, bold claim at this moment and testifying to who he is. And that's just in the first two words he mentions. Yeah, yeah literally. So yeah. that keep that in your mind too. Like he's, he's making a mad right away, just in the first two words that he says. And so he continues on. He says, I am, and not only say he's the great I am, but he says, I am the light of the world. So the second claim that Jesus makes, not only is he saying, I am the great I am, the second thing he is saying is that he is the light of the world. 
that he's the light of the world. And that, in our, in our Christian contemporary Christian culture context, that feels like a nice thing. Like we can hear Stephen's story and we can think about, man, what a light he is. But this is the, the theology here and the significance of what Jesus is saying is strong. If you think back about at the beginning of the book of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And it says, in him was the light of life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so that's the claim that Jesus is making. The word there, light, is phos, P-H-O-S. It's the same, we get our word photography, photosynthesis. That's what phos means. It means light. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's like, that light of the world is what I am claiming to be. So if you think about the light, um, think about it in terms of physical, right? Look up. There are light bulbs that are up, and they are glowing, and they are emitting. That is allowing us to see our Bibles, to write on paper. And there's one particular bulb that's shining very brightly right here on me, and I can't even see the bulb itself because the the light is so bright. And we understand what a light bulb is because of the light that it's emitting, some of us might not have even had to have someone tell us that, lot, that word because we just understood it. At some point in our life, we just became unaware of what it means and what it does. And, and that's the same with Jesus. He, he's proclaiming that he is the light of the world, that he is this light for all to see. And he doesn't need to tell you why you should see it by what he does and who he is and what he has already done before. Yeah, and so the, the idea of a light bulb and, and that what Jesus is doing here is a light bulb lays claim to itself, right? That light bulb that's shining down on us right now, we, we do not have to sit here and prove to you that there's a bulb there. We don't have to prove to you that's a light. You know it's a light. Now, light lays claim to itself by shining. And so what Jesus is doing here, when he calls himself the light of the world, look how, how they respond. They say, you can't, your, your testimony is invalid because you're only by yourself, that you need another witness. But the truth is, is we don't need anyone to testify or to witness to us that this is a light bulb. We don't have to bring someone in and put them on the stand and say, you installed these lights. What did you put up there? I put a light bulb. Okay, we're going to submit evidence into a claim. Here's the receipt. Here's the night that we rented the lift. Here's where we got up there, right? That's silly. That a light lays claim to itself by shining. And what Jesus is doing here, or let me ask you this. There's only one person that could walk in this room and not know that's a light, which is who? Someone who's blind. The only person that can't see that light to be a light is someone who is blind. They can't see it for themselves. So what Jesus is doing in this moment is Jesus is pointing out their spiritual blindness like Shay was saying, Jesus, by his light shining, is laying claim to who he is. And that is why you see, as, as he's going about in his ministry, and he meets the woman at the well, that she drops her pot and she runs away to tell about the Christ. That's why you see people that just, just reaching out to touch his robe. Is that these people are anticipating, looking for the Messiah, and they recognize it by the life that Jesus lived. And these Pharisees did not. And so, not only is he making this, but he's making this claim that he's a great I am, but he's also saying that he is the light of the world, the one that's been talked about. And it's interesting that he's, that, that when it says this, 
He says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So it's not how we walk, it's where we walk. That's what you're saying? Right. It's walking in the light. It's not how we walk. And so the last claim that he makes and the last thing that he testifies about himself is not only is he the great I am, not only is he the light of the world, but he's also saying that he is the son. Verse 16 says this, but if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the father who sent me. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the father who sent me. I think this is super interesting because it's also going back to the Old Testament. Uh, in Deuteronomy, they, it's where they really decide on how and what is necessary to convict someone or to prove a claim. And so in Deuteronomy 19.15, it talks about that you need two or more witnesses. And so Jesus is here bringing that back. He's bringing their, their Old Testament laws He's bringing that into their face and saying, listen, I have two witnesses. Now, in truth, they think that he's either a lunatic or a liar. They, they think that he's mentally unstable. They do not believe him. They do not feel like he has any claim to what he's saying. And really, he is giving them a third option. He's sharing with them truth. He's saying that I am one witness as the son of God, and my father is the second witness. By those standards, I comply with your laws. Which is interesting because that still holds true today, that we have this Old Testament law in Deuteronomy, but even today, if you go to court or you, you're put on trial, is that witnesses, two witnesses corroborating a story make it truth. And it makes it undeniable. It's like why, why you would have an alibi, someone that can, can give an alibi and can testify to where you were during this time. Someone, who, someone else who's seen the crime that was committed or they can see that it's not you. And so Jesus is saying that not only is it him, but it's also the father that sees him. And it's interesting that this, this claim that he's making as a son. And so my, my own dad is here, right? I am his son, right? He is my father. Yeah, woo. Way to go, Dad. But the truth is, is that outside of Shay, anyone in this room, my dad knows me. He knows where I come from. He knows what he was there when I was born. He remembers me as a child. He knows the heartache that we grew up. He knows the tough times we went through. He, know, he remembers that when we were kids and we did scouts, and he knows where I come from. I come from Orange, Texas. That's where I was born and raised, and my dad knows that same place. Not only does he knows where I come from, he knows the house I grew up in. He knows where my room was in the home. He remembers night tugging. He remembers tucking me in at night. I had a dimmer light. I know this is a silly story. I had this dimmer light bulb in my room is how you would turn the light on. And so as I was a kid, I still remember this to the day. My dad would come in and you couldn't see like the entrance to the door. And he would dim the light like slowly so that I wouldn't see it and like try to sneak in the room. I know it's a silly story, but like, he knows me. He knows me. He can testify as to who I am, where I come from. And that is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, my father knows who I am. I am not alone here in my testimony. Is that my father can lay claim to where I come from and where I am going. 
And, and not as only is he trying to set the stage that they have this relationship, that he is his father, but he's also saying that he's present, that, that he's with him in this moment. And that is why he can lay claim and be an official witness to this moment. He's saying he's not alone. The God the Father, who these Pharisees understand, that they know him, or at least they feel like they do, he's saying, God the Father, he supports me. He, he has my back, and he's in this moment. He is with me as I am speaking. And so I think that that's important because, you know, Jesus is saying, I am not here by myself. I may be standing physically here by myself, but I'm not here by myself. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, as we've been in this witness series and we go through this information, it's good to understand these claims and these testimonies that Jesus is making, saying, I'm the great I am. I'm the light of the world. I am the son that stands with the father. And so I want you to know that if we call ourselves Christ followers, we've got to be willing to follow and do what Jesus did. And he is calling us to be witnesses. And I want you to know that Jesus did that himself. So as we close, um, I know that's a lot of information. So we want to walk away with this idea of, okay, understanding that is important for us. Understanding that what it truly means to be a witness, what it truly means to, to testify to who Christ is, is important. But what do we do? And so the application for this morning, we have a few things. We'll be short. And as we're going through these, if the worship band, if the worship team, if y'all want to go ahead and come back up, um, the, these are going to be short. So the first application point thing uh, that's important to know is this. It says, know that you don't stand alone. Know that you don't stand alone. Just as the verse says in verse 16, Jesus says, I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. That when you, just like Stephen Godfrey shared, like here I am in this moment with this opportunity, what do I do? He is not standing alone in that moment when this woman is sharing about her husband pass away. Yeah, the Holy Spirit was sent down to be with us so that we wouldn't have to be in this world alone. And, and so um, I, I think that that's really important to walk away with because we all find ourselves in situations that feel uncomfortable or awkward or maybe even scary. But if you remember that you're not approaching it alone, it kind of takes away some of that fear. It takes away some of that awkwardness. It takes away some of that discomfort, knowing that you're not doing it by yourself. God is present. The Holy Spirit is within you. You don't have to carry this alone, that you're not, you're not entering into this situation by yourself. That gives me great comfort. Yeah, and the people that you're talking to or who God's calling you to be a witness, whether it's on your mail route or in the cubicle or on the street that you live on, Jesus loves that person more than you could ever know, imagine, or even dream. And so by the fact that you're just there, just know that you don't stand alone. The second thing is to let your light shine. Let your light shine. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, Jesus says this, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so I want you to know, is to let your light shine. I want you, that's what Stephen does. That's who he is. And that's why I asked him to share that this morning. I've been in a men's group with him for years and I know the way he lives. And every day he lays down his life and he picks up his cross and he lets his light shine. That's it. Simple as that. 
we all have a light, and it's really easy to hide that light. That could be done by staying quiet, by going along with the crowd, by not explaining yourself to others, by denying the light that you have within you. But I want you to think about this. There are people that are relying on your light. I think about times that I've gone camping and I wake up in the middle of the night and I need to go to the bathroom and it's so dark and I'm in the woods and I am scared. But Jake has introduced me to headlamps. Do you have a headlamp? I mean, I did not know what those things were until I married Jake because my family was not outdoorsy, but I rely heavily on sleeping by that headlamp because I'm paranoid that if I need to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, then I'm not going to be able to see where I'm going. This light gives me that assurance. It gives me a path to follow. And, and so I just think about that image in the context of us all. We all have a light that is meant to shine for others. They need to go to the bathroom. They need to get to, to Jesus. They need to get to where he has on their path, and you are part of that story for them. So by hiding your light, by not sharing that, you're not answering the call that God's put on you, but you might also be preventing something really wonderful for the people around you. Yeah, amen. The last thing is, is not only to know that you don't stand alone, to let your light shine. The last point is, know where you've come from and know where you're going. Jesus says, for I know where I've come from and I know where I'm going. And I want you to know that every person in here, you have a past. You have a life and a past and somewhere that you've come from. And a lot of those pasts are filled with heartache, they're filled with brokenness. They're filled with shame. They're filled with guilt. They're filled with mistakes. They're filled with things that we've done that we are not proud of. But I'm telling you, if you to cover that up and to pretend like that was never anything or didn't happen, that's covering your light because where you come from matters because it shows people what God has brought you out of. If you come out of something painful or outside of something difficult, the Lord has given you freedom from that. The Lord's given you a path forward from that. And that's so important to not only know where you come from, but also know where you're going. To have a sureness of your relationship with Jesus. To know confidently that today I walk and I stand and I walk with the Lord. And that, that I'm confident on where I'm going. And so just pretending, you know, the, the, the Christian mistake is to pretend like everything's okay. To live a life to where we can pretend like we have this perfect marriage and everything's okay. And that we never struggle, we never fight. I had this neighbor that I've been witnessing to that doesn't know Jesus. And so he's been going through some really hard times. And we went and we sat down and we got together and he just shared it. And I shared, and he talked about he and his, his relationship with his spouse. That's really strained right now because of what's going on. There's so much. And your marriage is this weight-bearing relationship. And I shared with them, Shay and I, I was like, man, we went through this really hard time, this really difficult season, and we really struggled. He's like, oh, man, I thought you guys were perfect. I thought everything was okay. And I'm like, I'm sorry if I ever gave you that impression, because that is far from the truth. 
is that, that the Lord uses those things. So I'm going to close. Let's stand and, and I'm going to pray. And I just want to encourage you guys to understand how important it is for you to bear witness in your life, to let your light shine, to, to feel confident that you don't stand alone, to remember where you've come from, what God has freed you from, and most importantly, to remember where you're going. We thank you for listening today and pray that you are blessed by this message. We invite you to join with us on Sundays or connect with us at our website, vessel.church.